Good morning, brothers and sisters. Because actually, when I, when I f- first had the responsibility of preaching, it's a little nerve-wracking thinking about standing up here. But I've, a little part of my responsibility that I've come to enjoy is actually sitting up here before I, I, I preach and just looking into the faces. Y'all are normal people. And... You're my brothers and sisters, and it's a privilege to be together. Why are you here this morning? Did you come to stay connected to that love of God that Drew was talking about? I trust that's the case. And I trust that we can be filled with truth, hear truth, and follow with doing the truth. Another thing that made me smile this morning before Sunday, or uh, during the singing and in the devotions when Damien was talking, it was rather loud in here. A lot of children making noises. Then I remembered it's, it's full moon today. So parents, you can relax. It's okay. Sing with me a chorus. Tell me the story of Jesus. Tell me the story of Jesus. Right on my heart hearts be ready to hear the story of Jesus this morning. Anybody remember what the sermon was, sermon title was from last Sunday? I'll give you a clue. Brother Leon had the message. The nature of Christ. Did you look? Ah, he cheated. The nature of Christ. How many remembered that? Some of us, okay, came back. Most of us did not. What's up, guys? You guys are forgetful. We're forgetful people, brothers and sisters. It's the human nature. We forget. And often we need to make notes so we remember. I tell people I live and die by my reminders app. When there's things to do, I've learned I need to put them in there, else I will forget. There's some things we attempt to remember. It's like, oh yeah, I'll remember that. And I have a, and then later it's like, oh no, our memory didn't serve us well. I have a memory from my childhood that sometimes somebody says, ah, you're not going to remember it. He's like, I will, I'll remember that. There was, in the year 2005, we added a, put an addition on our house. I was 10 years old. And one of my mom's, uh, I think it was his, her cousin, came and was doing some work on the house. 
and he was a very friendly man. And so I was there chatting with him, asking him what he's doing. And he's like, you like jokes? I said, oh, yeah, sure. So he was telling me some jokes. Anyway, he, got, he was going along. He said, I bet you won't remember my name. So oh, yes, I will. His name was Stumpy. <laughs> I remember Stumpy. Of course, I'm going to remember that. About an hour later, I come back, and I'm intrigued with what he's doing, and he says, hey, Zach, knock, knock. <laughs> Good, another joke. Who's there? See, you forgot my name already. As a 10-year-old boy, I was offended. <laughs> that was a, not a good joke to play on me because I was going to remember his name. There, he uh, used something against me to purposely help me forget I'm talking about remembering and forgetting. And that stuck with me because there was emotions with that. He actually kind of offended me in that. Emotions that happen with events stick with us. How many remember stories from your childhood? How many could name every event that happened in your childhood? No. But events stick out to us. Maybe looking back in your school years, specific events that happened. Maybe once you reach the teenage years, the specific things you did, that's because there was probably some emotions or things around it that made it stick. This morning, I want us to recognize we are forgetful people. We do forget. Another thing I had to think of, how do we respond when somebody reminds us? Sometimes I get like, hey, dude, do you remember to do this? Yeah, I remember. Come on, trust me. Sometimes I get a little annoyed. But then I have to stop myself and you know what? I'm human. That's okay if people remind me. We need reminders. How do we respond when we are reminded? I'd like to take you back to a verse in Luke 22. Luke 22, verse 32. Jesus is talking to Peter. He pulls Peter aside at the Last Supper and he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that, you may, that he may sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. In other words, help the guys, the brothers around you. And how did Peter respond? He says, oh, Lord, I'm going to go with you even to death. What did he do several hours later? He denied Jesus. Peter was a forgetful man. And I can see him remembering this incident as he goes into the next verses of the letter that he's writing in 2 Peter. So you, now, you can now flip with me back to 2 Peter. That is where we are going to go for our message this morning. As we think about... Being forgetful, or we do forget. Anybody remember, speaking of forgetting or remembering, do you remember the theme of Second Peter? Three words. Actually, I'll be impressed if we remember one word. A lively hope. You're back at First Peter. You have a good memory. Keep it up. First Peter was a lively hope. Second Peter, growth amidst temptation. And I want us to remember the word grow. Growth is kind of our key as we go through Second Peter. Growth amidst 
or amid temptation. And last uh, sermon, we looked grow in diligence. So we're going to look at different things that we are to grow in. And Peter presented grow in diligence. That's how we saw in the first verses. A reminder, the antidote to anything false is growth. Apostasy, or the fall, comes on the plateau. When life is easy, when life is good, is when apostasy or failure comes quickly. Let us remember that. And as we look around the world, it's a sorry state. There's temptations out there that are going to want to draw us, pull us. We need to recognize that. That's the state of the world that we're living in. And God forbid that we are on a plateau of whatever happens that we fall. So, remember that apostasy or failure comes in the plateau of when we're just staying the same. Growth is what combats that. Title for the sermon this morning, Grow in the Word. So we're growing in something else, and that is the word this morning. And my goal, I want us to see our tendency of forgetfulness. So we remember the word. The word lives. Let me back up. Men die, but the word lives. Experiences fade, but the word remains. The world darkens, but the word shines. Join me in 2 Peter Chapter 1 and verse 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath shewed you. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, after my decease, to have the things always in your remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory, when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice, which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him on the holy mount. We also have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed, that you listen, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, unto the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Dear God, as we look at this next passage in 2 Peter, may you speak to us. May our hearts be soft. May they be open to growing in your word. Move among us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Wherefore, I will not be negligent. Negligent is the opposite of diligence that we talked about in the last verses. Peter was focused. 
Going back to Luke 22, what did Jesus tell Peter to do? After he was converted, he wanted Peter to... Strengthen the brethren. So now Peter here is writing to the brethren. He, uh, first Peter, he's, he saw they were in turmoil and persecution. He encouraged them. Then he got to second Peter and, and, and he's older now. And life is better. Life is good. And he remembers what Jesus had told, them, told him. He said, Peter, you've got to strengthen the brethren. And as he's there writing this, he says, wherefore, I'm not going to be negligent. I'm not going to forget what Jesus told me to do. I'm going to be diligent. And I'm going to continue to remind you to bring in remembrance all the things, the things that he had just talked about. Diligence in pursuing faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, godliness. I'm going to keep reminding you of that. Even if you get tired of it. Even though you're established in the present truth. How many feel like you're an established Christian? Some brave hands kind of going up. I would raise my hand. I think I, I like to think I'm an established Christian. Like I, I'm in the word. I'm I understand. I'm, I'm, I'm still understanding. I've not reached the place, but I feel like I'm I'm there. Yet Peter says that no matter how you feel, even if you feel like you're understanding God, you're in the word. You need to continue to go back. you got to keep going back. And he says, no matter how established you are, I'm going to keep bringing these things before you. Uh, the, some of the churches actually got a little annoyed at Paul for continuing to bring up the same things. They would continue, oh, you're just writing the same thing over and over. You ever feel like preachers bring up the same thing over and over maybe? Maybe it's what we need. Repetition is good for us. And this is Paul's response in Philippians 3.1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous. But for you, it is safe. So that's what Paul's response was to. You're just repeating. You need it. We need it. Because we forget. The power of repetition. So Peter says, I'm going to continue to remind you of these things, no matter how established you feel. Stories can continue to be repeated and new things can come out of it. How many have looked at the story of Job before? How many of us are excited to continue looking at the story of Job? Again, it was opened up this morning and there's new things that we can get from it. It amazes me what continues to come from God's word. It never gets dull. Let's stay in it. So Peter says, I'm going to keep reminding you. Verse 13. Yeah, I think it meets. It's necessary that as long as I am in this tabernacle, any ideas what tabernacle means? His body. He called his tabernacle or his body a tabernacle or a tent. I think this gives a little picture into how Peter viewed his body. He was passing on. He was camping. He was moving on. It's a tabernacle. He's going to move out of it. Peter had a proper view of himself. It's just a tabernacle. So while I'm here, while I still have access to this body, I'm going to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. We need to be stirred up. 
It would be mixed up. That plateau gets too easy. gets too calm. We need to be stirred up at times, and that's what Peter wanted to do. Awaken, arouse them. So he's like, I'm going to keep reminding you, even if it agitates you, even if it stirs you up, it's for your own good. Verse 14, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle. Again, he refers to his body as the tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Anybody know how, did Jesus tell Peter how he was going to die? Back, go ahead. He was crucified upside down. And Peter had a little window into what would happen. Back in John 21, Peter, uh, Jesus is talking to Peter and he says, Hey Peter, you're young now. You got your life together. You can dress yourself. One day you're going to get old and you're not even going to dress yourself. Other people are going to help you. Life is going to be difficult. Jesus gave Peter a little window into, you're going to be aged and life is going to be difficult before you die. I find that intriguing because I think Peter Reckonar, is old here as he's writing this, Second Peter. And he remembered, he recalls the words of Jesus saying, you know what, when you're old, when somebody else has to write for you and help you, then you're going to die. And he knew his death was coming close. He had a proper view of his life. And this points to another thing that we can take from Peter. As he was stirring up, encouraging the brethren, he lived each day as it was his last. He's like, while I still have a chance, I'm going to make the most of it. Do you make your decisions based on if you're going to die tomorrow? If we could live with that mentality more often, I think it would bring a little focus, more focus to us. That's where Peter was. I'm going to die soon, so I'm going to give it all I got. I'm going to stir you up while I have the chance. If you were to pick to go to a funeral or a part or a party, which would you pick? You can look, Ecclesiastes 7 verse 2 says it's better to go to a funeral than to a party. I'm, I'm paraphrasing a bit. But Song of so- uh, Solomon was saying here in Ecclesiastes, it's better for you to think about your death than to party and have a good time. There's value in going to a funeral or a viewing. And parents, giving our children glimpses into that. Because that's where we're headed. Peter had that in mind as he was writing here. I'm going to die soon. So, moving on to verse 15. He says, moreover, so I'm in the place, I'm thinking I'm going to die soon. Moreover, I will endeavor... That actually is the same word as diligent back in the verse 5, I think it is, of chapter 1. I'm going to be diligent that ye may be after after I die, after I decease. Actually, decease comes from a word that means moving on or exodus. I'm moving out of this tent. That when I move out, you are going to have these things always in remembrance. He put effort into writing this letter of 2 Peter so that it would live on. Do you ever play Whisper Down the Lane? Yeah, we chuckle. Because we chuckle because we know how different it can end up till it gets to the end. Imagine if we did not have the Word of God 
And we were just to tell the stories to our children. And they were to pass them down. I hope they would stay fairly accurate. But things get twisted. Do you ever hear somebody say, oh yeah, I heard Nate say that Levi said that Joel saw. <laughs> You're like, okay. You start scratching your head. Is this really true? When you things start moving on from one person to the other, whisper down the lane, things can get mixed up. That's why Peter says here, I am going to write this down so you always have it in remembrance. It's there. The word of God lives on. It doesn't change. Which is our first point as we look at verses 12 to 15. The word lives. Peter recognized that he's going to die. Men die, but the word lives on. And he wanted to leave that there for the churches. Ephesians 2.20 says that the apostles and the prophets writing the Old Testament and the New Testament are the foundation of the church. Because it's true, it stays the same, and it's there. Whisper down the lane is not going to work. But the word lives on. Men die, but the word lives. Let's remember we are forgetful people. We need to be reminded. Moving on to verse 16. Now we're going to have the word remaining. So I said... Uh, the, the illustration of, oh, so-and-so told me this, who saw heard it from this person. When, it get, when things uh, get passed from person to person, it can get mixed up. The same way uh, witnesses at an accident. Sometimes they have different stories because they saw different things. The apostles at this time were being questioned. Saying, do you guys really know what you mean, what you're saying? Were you guys really with Jesus? All the stories that you're saying? And this is what Peter is combating. And in, in chapter 2, which I'm getting excited for that, Peter addresses the false teachers that are, are coming up. But before he gets there, he goes back to the Word. He reminds them we need to go to the Word. And he says, verse 16, We have not followed those fables that people are blaming us to have followed. Because we are making known unto you two things, the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. While Jesus was on earth, he showed his power through the miracles and his teachings. And the apostles were also saying, he's coming back. That's what the sure word was. And people were negating that, saying it's not true. And he says, no, that's what we're here saying, because we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. If somebody says, I saw it happen, we're much quicker to believe them than if they said, oh, I heard it through so-and-so who heard it from so-and-so. If somebody saw it, we're quicker to believe them. Eyewitness. You were there. You saw it in person. Peter's saying, we were there. We saw it with our own eyes. And furthermore, he then switches to the transfiguration for proof, or for an example, I should say. And I actually found this interesting. Do you know that this is the only place that Peter, James, and John, the three who were at the transfiguration, one of them actually wrote on the transfiguration? The other three places are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Neither of them were there at the transfiguration. Only Peter, Peter, James, and John. And John didn't write about it, and I don't think James did either. So here, Peter was the only one who got it into writing that said, I was there. I saw it. And I find that interesting how he pulled up this example. 
And another thing is if you look back at the Matthew, Mark, and Luke, a word that is used there is tabernacle. Because in, after the transfiguration was over, Peter said, Jesus, let's build a tabernacle, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And Jesus says, no, 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 that's not necessary. So as Peter is writing here, he remembers back to that very event and uses those same words. We just talked about the word tabernacle, and he uses them here. To me, that's pretty cool to see that coming together. Matthew, Mark, and Luke wrote about the tabernacle, yet Peter used it as well. So just a little interesting tip as Peter refers to the transfiguration. Then he talks about it in verse 17 and 18. For Jesus received from God, that moment God gave him affirmation that he was his son. Up there on the mountain, a voice came, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That was affirmation for Jesus. And then I can almost sense Peter getting excited as he goes into verse 18. And this voice, that voice that I'm talking about, we heard it too. We were with him on the mount. So not only was it affirmation to Jesus, it was affirmation to the disciples that Jesus was who he said he was. And back in Mark and Luke, it says, the voice also said, hear ye him, or listen to him. That was directed specifically at the disciples. So Peter here is bringing the church back to truth, saying that it's real. I'm writing about it. I need to remind you of this. There's false teaching that is arising. But it's true. It happened. I saw it. The word remains faithful. Experiences fade, our second point, but the word remains. Experiences are subjective, but God's word is objective. And Peter illustrates that here with the transfiguration. We need to be reminded of the word. It lives, it remains, and now, in the last verses, 19 to 21, the word shines. Verse 19, we also have a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well to take heed. My question this morning is, are you listening to the word? Are you hearing the word? Are you in the word? We hear it all the time that we need to be in the Bible. But again, I remind us, ask yourself, are you in it? You do well to take heed because it's a light that shines in a dark place. Our world is dark and it needs light. And this is what's going to shine. And the day dawn, he's referring to the dawn, the day of Christ's return. And at that moment, the true light is going to shine in our stars, the day star. I, I find it amazing how the apostles continue to point back to the Old Testament. There's analogies here. Back in, in Numbers, Balaam's prophecy talked about a morning star of the return of, uh, of Jesus or Jesus coming. Here, Peter uses that same analogy. Obviously, he was in the word. Then he goes on to verse 20, knowing this, so be in the word, take heed, listen to it. But there is no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. And a lot of uh, theologians grapple with what this verse actually means, but private means by itself, one's own. 
Brothers and sisters, you, the whole Bible is a package. It comes together. We can't be taking verses out to mean what we want them to. That's a tendency. It comes together. Looking at the word together. It's not a private interpretation. And I think another meaning Peter is trying to bring across here is that it comes from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives direction. And he points to that in the next verse. Verse 21, our last verse for this morning. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. This word of God did not come by man just writing it. Yes, Peter wrote it. James wrote it. Many humans wrote to the Bible. But it was the Holy Spirit who inspired them. Do we believe that? And he says, it's not by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost inspired them. Brothers and sisters, the Holy Ghost will interpret for you today, for us today, in the whole. But to hear the Holy Spirit speaking to us, we need to be quiet. We hear it often. A reminder to be quiet. When you're in the Word, are you quiet? Are you busy? This Word was given by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit must give and will give interpretation and understanding. In John 14, Jesus spoke of this. He says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you in all things. And he's going to help you remember. He's going to bring all things to your remembrance, whatever I have said unto you. This last part, the world is dark, but the word shines. So we have the word living, we have the word remaining, and we have the word shining. What are we doing with it? So again, I come back. Do you remember the word? Are we forgetting it? Are we forgetting that it's important? And sometimes I look around and I'll be honest. It made me think this week if I actually love the word. And sometimes I look around and I'm not sure we love the word. This sure word that's there that doesn't change. Do you love it? Or are you just going through the motions? And that's between you and God. We can't judge each other. But do you love the word? That will show in multiple ways. It will show in our personal devotions. What do you do for your personal devotions? Do you ever ask, ask, get asked that or ask somebody else that? Should I tell you what the most common response is anymore? Oh yeah, I have an app. I go through the, the daily bread. Or, or a, a book, a devotional book. Those things are tools, brothers and sisters. Yes, a podcast, you name it. They are tools, but they are not the word. And I, I was challenged this morning, am I going back to the word or do I always rely on a devotional book or the app reminder or the podcast to get my fill of God's word? We need to go back to the authentic truth and let God speak. Is that what your personal devotion looks like? I'll let you ponder. The answer is not in a devotional book. There is danger in quoting others more than God. So-and-so said, so-and-so. It's useful, it's tools, 
We have amazing resources at our hands. Do you love the word? It will show in your devotional, in your devotional life. It will show in your in, in church attendance. Are we excited to come to church? Or do we it's easy to, to drop off a service if we're too busy? Or do we purposely cut out other things so we can attend church? That's it's it's not the only thing, but it's it's signs of if we love the word. And dads, husbands, I have an, uh, another challenge. Do we bring our people, our families to the word? Maybe I should ask a raise of hands. How many of you have family devotions on a regular basis? I was convicted of that. I need to bring my family to the word. And even more important, husbands, our wives need to be, we need to bring them to the word. Ephesians 5, 25 and 26 says actually cleansing our wives in the word. Sometimes I, maybe husbands, you can relate. How do you respond to the questions that might come? Take them to the word, husbands. That's where we need to take our wives. And we saw this morning, Job faced turmoil. And who uh, rebuked him? His wife. God forbid, if anything would happen, that Ruthie would tell me to reject God. But could it be that Job did not bring her along? I don't know. I'm not sure. But husbands, we have a job to do is to bring our wives to the word. Talk it over with them. Something I need to work at. So, we end with grow in the word. How are you growing? Do you love the word? Remember, men die, but the word lives. Experiences fade, but the word remains. The world darkens, but the word shines. What do you remember about the word? I'm actually going to just take a moment and, of silence. And I want you to ponder two questions. I'll give you one question and then I'll wait a little bit and I'll give you the question number two. Question number one. What do you want to remember about the word? Maybe something you heard this morning. What do you want to remember about the word? Just think and ponder that for a minute. Jot it down if you have a pencil handy. Question number two. How are you growing in the word? Maybe God showed you something that you need to grow in. You need to put aside or add or to grow in the word. Question number two. How are you growing in the word? Heavenly Father, we want to grow in your word. We want to keep it growing amidst the temptations of the world around us. We had an amazing example of steadfastness in the life of Job this morning. 
We want to respond the same. But it's going to take being in the Word. The Word that lives and remains and shines. And I pray that we would continually remember that we, for, we forget. And we need to be reminded of the Word, of your truth. May we do that often. Soften our hearts. Give us a love for your Word that is going to remain. And help us to bring others to it. Our family around us, help us to bring them to the word. And may we be men and women who are founded on your truth. May we live with a recognition of that we're moving on. Live with diligence where we are and continue to grow where we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Take out your uh, Christian hymnals and turn to number 317. Let's end with that. Tell me the story of Jesus. Let's sing verses 1 and 3. 317. Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious. Sweetest that ever was heard. Tell Heavenly Father, we want to hear. We want your word to be on our hearts. We want to hear the story of you over and over. May we continue to grow in the word. Thank you. I thank you for my brothers and sisters here this morning. May we leave from here with our hearts filled and with a desire and a diligence to do and to follow through what you've shown us. Take us as we go throughout our week. Help us to be a light that shines for you. Bless us, we ask, in your name. Amen. You are dismissed.